You're listening to a CNA podcast. So hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Heart of the Matter with me, Stephen Chia. And today, guess what? We're all going clubbing. Don't worry, it's not the type. We're talking about the country clubs here. Because that was actually one of the five C's that we talked about when we had the Singapore dream, so to speak. And access to these clubs could set you back anywhere from several thousand dollars to more than half a million for the top-end golf clubs. With the recent announcement that the Singapore Land Authority will not renew the lease for Raffles Town Club, we want to find out if there's still a future for such clubs in land-scarce Singapore. Aside from land restraints, are there also changing aspirations among the younger generation? Can clubs adapt? Do they need to? Should they? And do clubs even actually matter to this new generation? With me to chat about this today are Desmond Tay, President of the Club Managers Association and also GM of Singapore Recreation Club. Hello everyone, happy to be here. Jean Lowe, she is CEO of Private Social Club 1880. Hi everyone, nice to meet you. And property consultant Nicholas Ma. Hi everyone, happy to be here. Alright, let's start with the Raffles Town Club because when it was announced that the site will not be renewed for the club, a lot of members and staff expressed sadness and shock. But others said... They should have seen it coming. The writing was on the wall. Desmond, you've been working in many clubs since uh, 2012. Have the reasons for people joining a club changed? In the past, people joined country club because of the exclusivities, as well as for the prestige, as well as the elite community. But all these have changed. The younger generation are more into the inclusive and the diversity environment. Club may not be still holding the kind of the status or the taster that people are looking for. People don't look for all these kind of status mm. anymore. People are looking more into like the diverse lifestyle and sport and family-oriented activity from okay. now on. So that exclusivity, that was the key, you know, a, a yes. bit of something to, to show off to other people that I, I've arrived in life. Yeah. Uh, but if we scan the scene in Singapore, the clubs that exist, um, some like the Singapore Swimming Club, for instance, have been around for a very long time. It's very local, very family-oriented, and it has a bit of a, a legacy, you know, it's been around for around 130 years. Then there are others like the American, the British clubs, which cater to largely expats who may be here in Singapore for only a period of time. Well, some would argue that these clubs are only for the privilege, but Others say that it's actually a very strong social aspect to these clubs as well. And Jean, I'm going to ask you this because your club is very much about that social aspect as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. 1880 believes in conversations and how conversations can progress us and how it helps us evolve. We don't have the facilities, right. but we do have a lot of programming and events. But, but why would people want to come join a club and just have conversations. I can do that over coffee without joining any club. We've learned through COVID that people need community. Maybe increasingly we're finding it hard to find that community and also a safe space to have difficult conversations, interesting conversations. A casual coffee may not engender that kind of depth in conversation. So it's largely networking too. Are people going there looking for business opportunities to collaborate, things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So we also have a co-working space that lends itself to people who are doing things. So we have one rule for membership is that people need to be curious mm -hmm. and interested. That on the when you apply? You... Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> how do you qualify? <laughs> yeah, how yeah. curious are you on yeah, a scale we, of 1 to 10? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Curiosity. And we say we, our members are building Asia for the next 50 years. That's how we exist. So it really is two ends of the spectrum. I mean, what Desmond was talking about is entirely different. Your demographic, her demographic, entirely different, right? Mm. So Nicholas, what do you make of all this? Because 
amidst of all that, Singapore mm. is land scarce and we are starting to take back some of these clubs, take back golf courses. When you look at the trends of what younger people want and because everything is available at the community centre now, in fact, they're really nice, you know, hubs which all these facilities. So, is being a club no longer as relevant and how does it play into the whole equation in terms of our land and, and land use? It's interesting you bring up these community centres. Uh, in fact, they renamed themselves as community clubs. One of the things is that the changing type of housing that we're having, because if, let's say, you put 25 to 35 years ago, a majority of Singaporeans are still living in HDB flats. And then, you, of course, you have your private housing. Condominiums are not as common 30 years ago as now. And right now, with the proliferation of condominiums all over Singapore, you find that some of the facilities that in the past, 30 years ago, that could only be found in country clubs or social right. clubs, swimming pools, tennis courts, sporting facilities and so on, are now also available in many large condominiums. And so there comes a stage where some of the condo owners feel that, well, out of the five Cs, I've achieved maybe four of them. I don't really need a country club because right. I can have some of these recreation facilities right at my doorstep. So there's no longer a need to have an extra, a separate club membership because where you live, you get it. And actually, you're also paying a monthly fee for those, which can often be quite steep. Gene, would this be some of your target audience? Because again, in 1880, where you're saying these people don't come for facilities, right? right. But Really, what is the draw? And let me give us some idea. What is your average membership like? What's the age range? We're mostly 35 to 55, but we do have an under 30s membership. We okay. welcome all, anyone who's fun and curious. Uh, we're a little bit irreverent, so we like to have parties, but we also host very serious conversations. We've had a couple of Nobel laureates mm -hmm. come, so you may not be able to access them anywhere else, but they have an intimate talk with you. I've actually been to your club to attend one or two talks as well. You're saying it's really about conversations, people wanting to meet, gather, have conversations, have dialogue. Yes. Nothing to do with facilities. I mean, once in a while, a party, you're saying. So, I <laughs> oh, mean, no, lots of parties. Lots of parties, <laughs> okay. We have wellness as well. We do yoga on the terrace. So everything about you being human, we like to take a holistic approach. Okay. So why have a club like that in Singapore? Why, why did you guys feel that it would work in a place like this? My husband and I met in London and that's when Soho House started. And we thought, oh, well, that's very clever. It's an anti-club club. club. Mm. <laughs> so when we came here, we're like, where's that space? There's no space for us to have that conversation and gather and talk with you know, curious people. So we said, okay, let's start one. And that's how it happened. So Desmond, when you hear this, do the older, more traditional clubs, have they attempted to also try and reach out to this demographic? Uh, no, I don't think so. I no? think there's different clubs have different needs and different interest groups. We build different community. Mm -hmm. For those modern clubs, of course, they're confined in the space. They come with these new ideas. But traditional club, country club, they still have a certain demand for it. Say, for example, the sport activities. Well, a lot of the younger generation nowadays all go to social media, online. But sport is another thing which is you can't do it online. You still need a lot of physical participation and all these things. But why would they want to join a club, pay $100,000 when they can just go to you know, their neighbourhood hub and book the squash court, tennis court, things yeah, like that? Precisely, is it? In your own neighbourhood, you always play within your own small community. But if you want to enlarge to play together with a fellow in the same interest, in the same sport mm. group interest, you will come together. So club today have to start embracing on those trending sports. Okay. For example, just a recent year, pickleball is another sport that's picking up so fast. Within a year, right, a lot of interest. Right. But pickleball, you can play many, many places. So that's where clubs start to set up pickleball court 
immediately within one year, we built quite a very vibrant community. So it's like a traditional club. There's still a way to, for them to, for survival. I think they have to start changing. They cannot operate the same way as what but, they used to be. Yeah, but pickleball, mm. I, I think it's only the picky people who play. That's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> but let me ask you, Desmond, mm. do you see like the grandfather came here, the father came here, now the son is a member. Does mm. that still continue or very often does it drop off? It's always a, a challenge to keep a balance to cater for the interest of the younger and the senior members. Yeah. So, club has to start evolving in creating different kind of lifestyle and activities. You need to create a lot of activities to engage different Correct. group of membership. But do you find that there are less and less young people joining? Yes, for traditional club, definitely. That's why club now today have to start thinking of how you can create a new activities, a new type of interest to attract okay. the younger generation. Club that is still remaining as the olden day, like 30 years, are the one that the younger will never want to attend. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so Nicholas, the land that Raffles Town Club sits on is prime location. It's right next to an MRT station, it's near good schools. Are all clubs at risk of not having their leases renewed because their land can be used for other purposes like housing needs? How does the government take into consideration whether to give or not give a new lease of land? Well, in the language of urban land economics, to put a piece of land or real estate to the most economically efficient use, we use a term that is, is it used for the highest and best use? You get the highest and best value out of it. Of course, one way to measure it is to measure the land price, mm -hmm. the, the amount of income that you can generate from that uh, piece of land or real estate. The other way, of course, is something to measure whether or not does it give the most amount of benefit to the most number of people. Right. Okay. The second method is a bit harder to measure. Of course, it depends also on government policy. If the government wants to extract the most amount of dollar amount, economic value from it, they can just throw it as an open tender, put it to a higher plot ratio and a higher type of land use, commercial or residential okay. or mix, and they just sell it on the open market. The other way is that they look at it and say, mm, well, right now it's a club. How many people benefit from it? And in the future, what else can we do? What else does a community around there needs that piece of land for? They may want to think that maybe a club is not the highest and best use for that piece of land. So in other words, it may have 5,000 people in the club, but if I build homes, I could fit maybe 10,000 people in that same area. More people benefit overall. Elections are coming soon also. So <laughs> many things come into consideration. I, I think the other thing is also they may also consider how many clubs do we really need in Singapore and whether yeah. or not is it still relevant. Hello, my name is Steve Lai. And I'm Teresa Tang. And we are the hosts of CNA Correspondent. A podcast that takes you to the heart of the work our correspondents do across the globe. From China's COVID response to the Child Care Centre massacre in Thailand. And from the fall of Najib Razak to the rise of Anwar Ibrahim as Malaysia's Prime Minister. We speak to the people at the reporting front lines. So if you want to know how the biggest global stories unfold, make sure you follow or subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. When you go to the economic point of view, because these clubs help us understand, basically when they bid for that land for whatever 80-year lease maybe, I don't know, they pay X amount of dollars and they get to run it out, right? So they try and make as much money as they can. But when the club closes, like Raffles Town Club, who keeps whatever money remaining if there's any... Raffles Town Club is a proprietary club. So there are two types of club, a members okay. club and proprietary club. In a members club, the members actually are like shareholders. They own the assets of okay. the club. In a proprietary club, basically it's run by a company and the members are like customers. So in the case of a proprietary club, you buy a membership, 
the mm-hmm. lease of the land is 30 years, your membership is for 30 years. And then at the end of it, basically your membership okay. expires. It's like your COE. Once it runs <laughs> out, it's just used and gone. There's nothing back. In another scenario, let's say the government allows this club to continue to extend their lease for another 30 years. Given the mm. option, do you want to top up money to chip in all this money to pay the government to extend the lease of the land? Some members may agree, some members may not. Then we go to another scenario. It sounds like, it's a, yeah, it can be challenging. I mean, but also they are informed quite well in advance by the government that the land will be taken back. Right, I mean, 20 odd years ago, when developers bid for that piece of land, they knew that it was not freehold. There is a definite endpoint to that lease. Well, according to golf membership consultancy firm Singolf, now we're talking about prices now. Prices at the premier golf clubs have hit a record highs last year. Some say it's largely driven by an influx of foreign money. Let's take, for example, Sentosa Golf Club. It's uh, $500,000, half a million. This is what Singaporeans or PLs would pay. Foreigners pay $880,000. That's almost a million dollars. And for Singapore Island Country Club, locals pay $300,000. Foreigners pay $500,000. Desmond, you were talking about the exclusivity earlier on. So surely it still applies at some of these clubs because they're just a bit out of reach for most people. Absolutely. I mean, Sentosa, Singapore Island Country Club, they can command that kind of high price because they have a lease that's going to stay on for another 19 years. And do, they do have the so-called elite community mm. where all the elite want to join the club just for the status. But how many of this population can afford this kind of high price? So the foreigners do play a big part in raising the, the price up in the last few years of all these golf country clubs. Okay. Actually, I have to ask you, because you were the, the GM at SICC for yes. many years. Yes. How many members are there in the club? They have 7,800 principal members. Okay. And of those, how many actually use it regularly? Uh, not really. Just a golf alone. We have less than 30% regular golfer. Okay. Less than 2,000 regular. At the end of the day, in any country club, F&B is still the main element. Okay. So I say, when the evolving lifestyle, F&B have to continue to evolve and change to bring people the unit experiential kind of experience in FMB. FMB is something that you cannot satisfy your appetite on virtually. Right, you have to right, come right. visit the club and feel your stomach. Is, it, is that the same at 1880? It's F&B, food and drinks. <laughs> so everything we do is an aid of conversation. So yeah. if you break bread with someone, you're more likely to be their friend. Our chef is an amazing chef. So our food offering is wonderful. Okay. I would say it's the best Sunday roast in town. And I lived in London you're for 17 biased, years. Sure, yeah. no, 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 I lived in <laughs> London for 17 years and I, I would be hard-pressed to find a, okay. a better one. Yeah. Well, there are other clubs, you know, like there's a Paul Mall, you know, there are a few others which are just social clubs. These clubs, again, I guess targeted to a very specific group of people, right? Well, not necessarily because we actively look for diversity. So if you run a not-for-profit and we love what you do and we think you're doing something amazing, we would actually gift you a membership. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we build diversity and we're also targeting a 50-50 male-female mix because most of the older clubs are male-oriented. Right. Give us some idea what's the range of your membership prices like? Single memberships is 6000 so it's very affordable. If you're under 30, it's half of that. And the monthly subs are also very affordable. We make sure that our food offering is a very high-level food offering, but we price it below market. So you do get value. You attend all the salons for free. Mm-hmm. Parties, of course, is different. You, you pay for the F&B. 
So I guess the question is, how do clubs continue to stay relevant with the times? And it sounds like you're going to have, I guess, varying types of clubs to cater to different types of groups of people. But in your opinion, maybe Desmond, you've been working in this industry for a long time. Do you see more clubs starting to close as the years go on? Because you go to clubs and honestly speaking, very often, some of them are just like my father's friends, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Club have to change, have to start changing to embrace on technologies, to start engaging, to increase the member experience. And club can do more for the engagement or contribute to the community, especially to the younger generation nowadays. You need to embrace on more CSI, even ESG okay. initiative, because the younger people nowadays, they are more towards the contribute to the societal benefit and return to the society. But, but do you still feel that in the long term that there will be more clubs in the future closing down because there's just less demand for it? That's unavoidable with the necessity of the government who need the land used okay. for the growth of the population. So there is no choice but the remaining club will still have their role to play to continue and to satisfy some of the need of the members and the community. If I'm going to join a club now, think about where it is their base, the land, how much of the lease is left. Yeah, very important. Are we right, Nicholas? <laughs> yes. Yes, I think the remaining lease does play a big part because it's uh, the government has already announced that for golf courses, and I think some mm. of the clubs that are sustaining their value is because they have golf courses like Sentosa, SICC, and so on. And if the lease of the land is very short, then I think the value will also depreciate accordingly. Based on what has happened for the last few years, the government uh, has already announced they are not renewing the lease, basically, of some of these clubs. In fact, does that affect prices? Because somehow, we're just talking how prices have been going up, even though actually over as time progresses, the lease is finishing up, (laughs) right? Based on our research, we find that majority of the club prices are actually just going flatline. There's a few that has gone up, Sentosa being one of them, Mm. SICC is uh, another one. And I think the reason is because the number of memberships that's trading in the open market is limited. When demand outpaces supply, the prices get bumped up. It's just this couple of years, starting with the COVID pandemic, when people are stuck in Singapore, you can't travel overseas, especially okay. in 2020, 2021. And some of them are willing to pay for luxury items, including country clubs membership. That's right. I guess mm. they figure the money they save from their holiday, they can put it into a club. As you look into the future, maybe your thoughts on how the scene is going to play out. Gene, I mean, if you had to target a new group of audience, and, and in fact, what do you think is the future of clubs in Singapore? Do you expect to see more of, you know, like 1880, these kind of social networking clubs popping up? We the definitely clubs? see more yeah. of these coming up. You, you each have a role to play and it's about your ethos because it needs to resonate with the members. Be clear about what you stand for. Is what I would say. Okay, so you've got to have a very clear sort of agenda, letting people know you are joining us because... Yes, and also offer value for money Uh, increasingly. You know, you need to show that you have excellent food, but actually at a reasonable price point and lots of programming. Okay. Nicholas, any parting words? In light of the changing consumer taste, younger generations, and also these competing users for land in Singapore, the public can contribute their views to the government about whether or not country clubs are still really relevant, especially in light of we are going to, our population can continue to expand. And also there's aging population. Perhaps that could be one area that uh, the clubs could look into. You said your 
father's friends, but we'll all be reaching that stage eventually. Right, that's right. On the whole, I still think there might not be a need for that many clubs, especially if our community clubs run by people's association are meeting a certain social needs among those that are in okay. the heartland. And of course, all the new condominiums that come with a plethora of facilities. Yeah. Yes. Desmond. Land has been used for a lot of the community centre, condo, and provide a lot of facilities. But the country clubs still have the unique needs and supply, especially the outdoor facility. The outdoor, like golf course and the football field and all this, you can see in Singapore are getting lesser and lesser. The younger children have no chance to really go out to the field mm-hmm. to have a natural growing and enjoying the field. Well, nowadays, everything indoor. We, you can see ourselves more and more like co-working space with childcare yeah. centre all within the building. You can see the younger generation is now condoned into the indoor to swimming or racket games and no longer the outdoor that we can run mm. freely on the field anymore. The remaining country club can be more open up to contribute to the community to allow more of this kind of the outdoor games to allow more children and academy to start. It almost sounds like you're saying maybe sometimes the clubs should also be open up to the public in some cases. Yes, to open up to more community, engage the community. I see that perhaps the evolution of the club scene in Singapore, it can go both ways. One is that it becomes very mass market or very Mm -hmm. niche. That means they cater to certain needs or you might have some very mass market line, like for example, NUSS is one example. If you are a graduate, you can join that club. The other one is to go very, very exclusive, very high end, where basically you cater to the top single digit, top 5% mm. or 3% of the social economic class in Singapore, where the very rich just want to mix around with their same kind. Right. And they use that as a venue for networking as well. And also to be very snobbish to keep out the rest of the masses. That might be where the evolution of the club scene in Singapore could be heading. Well, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think that's why we gather, right? Because we enjoy each other's company or whether it's over food, drink or or some sport or some exercise. Even in secondary school and all that, you had your own little clubs, right? So to speak. So it's not too far a concept for us. Well, to all of you listening in, um, whether you decide to go clubbing or not this uh, holidays is up to you. (laughs) There are all sorts of clubs out there, one for each and every one of us. But otherwise, the CNA podcast team is going to be taking a short break in December and... In the meantime, we'll be playing some of our archival episodes. A big thanks to my team, of course. The CNA podcast team is Joanne Chan, Sayawin, Crispina Robert and Tiffany Young. I'm Stephen Chia saying bye for now. Happy holidays. See you in the new year.